Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen. Welcome to the Big Ten episode. Before November ends, it's time to answer the question, how do you stop the unstoppable? Big Ten reporter Eric rinson Lobel illuminates what teams are doing to slow down Caitlin Clark. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. has three teams in the AP Top 25 poll. That's Iowa, Ohio State, and Indiana. So today we're going on a tour of the conference. First up is Iowa. Eric and I will discuss the milestones so far this season, as well as dissecting how teams can stop them. Then we will head over to Maryland and to Indiana to discuss just how concerned fans should be at this point, if at all, for the two teams that could put up a hard fight come March Madness. Finally, our trip concludes in Illinois, or does it? We'll see. Eric will tell us the sleepers of the Big Ten, which may or may not include the fighting Illini. I'm Gigi Spear, WNBA beat reporter and social media correspondent for the next. As a former Division I softball player, I love diving into the details beyond the stat sheet. So hopefully we'll do that today. I'm joined by Eric. Eric has been a contributor to the next since August 2022. He covered Northwestern women's basketball extensively in his four years as a student there for WNUR and now works as a sport reporter for the Concord Monitor in New Hampshire. Today's podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right. So, Eric, let's get into it. We're going to talk about Iowa this whole first segment. Caitlin Clark with a historic performance yet again, putting her up in very high categories, something that we aren't surprised about. She ties Detroit's Mercy's Antoine Davis for the most 30 point games in Division One college basketball in the past 25 years after her 30 point game against Kent State. Or Kansas State. So, Eric, I want to hear from you. What have you seen from Caitlin Clark this season and the kind of roller coaster ride that she's taken fans on? Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you watch her play every year, and then when the year ends, it's like, well, how could she possibly get that much better? Because since her freshman year, she's been averaging close to 30 points a game. Um, I think this year, the big thing that I was looking at coming in was what is she going to look like as the real leader of this offense? Because even last year when they went to the national championship game, you had Monica Sinano, who was a fifth-year player. You had McKenna Warnock, who was a fourth-year player, who she could rely on as kind of those leaders in the locker room, and she could do her thing. And obviously she still takes on a leadership role just given how good she is. But now Sinano and Warnock are gone. Uh, it's really her and Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall that are the most experienced ones. And it's on her shoulders to kind of lead the way. And I know something that she has talked about and Coach Lisa Bluter has talked about has been uh, her improving her mental toughness and uh, that intangible aspect of her game. Because if you watched her, her freshman year, sophomore year, she would get a little bit rattled on the floor. So I think the fact that she's been able to improve in that area has been uh, a big reason why she's continued to have the level of success she's had. Because we know the talent is there. It's just a matter of 
continuing to hone those other skills on the margins to really continue to elevate her play. Has there been a moment for you where you've seen that mental toughness click in in a different way than in her earlier seasons? I mean, I think you look at like, you know, the, the fact that Iowa just beat Kansas State after losing to them a few uh, two weeks before, less than two weeks before. I mean, she did not play uh, great in that game. She scored. She did score 24 points, but it was on uh, 32 shots. So she was not very efficient in that game. Uh, Kansas State clearly had a pretty good game plan of, of slowing her down. And then they play again on Sunday and she drops 32 points on 25 shots. So the ability to not let a bad performance against a team kind of snowball. Um, and, you know, she's been pretty good at that. But just seeing that against a good Kansas State team, I think, was impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. And she was two for 16. You pointed that out in her article in that first game against Kansas State. So were you expecting her to completely bounce back in last weekend's tournament? I mean, the odds are kind of in the in favor of that happening. I feel like, you know, she's just such a talented player. And, you know, we've seen how, um, especially again, she's gotten much better at just not letting things get to her on the floor. And, you know, when you play Iowa twice in, what was it, 12 days or 10 days, you're probably not going to hold Caitlin Clark down both times. It's just not going to happen. Um, but uh, so, no, it was not super surprising, but, you know, you never know because sometimes a team's uh, defensive scheme can impact uh, how how she plays. Absolutely. And so she finished that game 32 points, five rebounds, six assists, three steals, seven for 16 from the three. And I, I want to hear from you, too, as someone who covers the Big Ten extensively. What do you feel like makes her game so special besides it seems like that ball really could enter the hoop from anywhere for her? Well, I mean, that's the first part is the, the range is like most teams are not used to having to defend that far beyond the three point line. So that's the big one that people see. Um, but she's an incredible passer. And I think people have talked about that, you know, pretty consistently throughout uh, her career, too. I mean, she you know, right now she's got she's you know, seven and a half assists per game. She averaged almost nine assists per game last year. Um, she's just such a great passer. And it's the ability, like I remember Monica Sonano had said to me last year when I was talking to her about Caitlin Clark, like when you're in the post, you always have to be ready for the ball to come. And even if you don't think it's coming, she's going to find a way to thread the needle and get it to you. So just that ability is just something you can't really teach. And that's part of what makes her game so difficult to stop is she's not only going to drop 30 points on you, she's going to find open teammates that who, who don't even know they're open. So those yeah, are the two big ones. Those, those are two huge ones. And for those other teammates on the floor too, the Hawkeyes are going to be without Hannah Stuckey, the sophomore from Cedar Rapids and the team's second leading scorer again this weekend. Who do you feel like you're expecting to step up without, um, in addition to Caitlin Clark. Well, I, I think um, we saw Kate Martin uh, last week had a double-double. She's another player that's been around a while. Uh, she came back for another year. This will be her last year uh, with Iowa. Um, she's just kind of that steady presence uh, who does all the dirty work that maybe just doesn't get a lot of credit for, but she plays a big role in the success of that team. Um, and then I think, I mean, I was going to need to get more out of Gabby Marshall. She's gotten off to a really slow start this season. Um, you know, so she's shooting just 31% from the field, which is eight, eight 8% below where she was last year. Uh, she can be a very good three point shooter. She played very well in the NCAA tournament last year. 
Um, so those are the two veterans. And then in the posts, I know Iowa's been giving some more play to Sharon Goodman. Uh, she's been someone that's been on the bench a couple of years. Um, but Stolke is just, you know, one of the things that I was hoping to tap into is she's just so athletic. And I remember something Coach Bluter had mentioned was, you know, I was coming off of having Monica Sinano in the post and then before her, Megan Gustafson, who are both really talented. But Stolke has a level of athleticism to her that that neither of those two had. So she can kind of add an extra dimension to Iowa's offense that they haven't fully been able to tap into yet, but still early in the season and she's only a sophomore. So a long way to go. Long way to go. And Iowa, huge other milestone, 500th win for the head coach, Lisa Bluter, who has a 500 to 250 mark in 24 years with the Hawkeyes. So super impressive. But more Big Ten to come. In just a moment, we're going to talk about two teams that have high hopes come tournament time. But we want to discuss, should November have us worried at all? Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. So as I mentioned, we're talking the Big Ten today, and there's a lot of news coming out of other conferences, including the SEC and the ACC, that Natalie and Mitch are going to tackle tomorrow. So make sure you tune into that episode. But Eric, let's keep going. I want to roll around to the rest of the Big Ten, too. So I'm just going to throw out a school name right now, and I want you to just run with it and tell us the ins and outs if you can. So first off, Indiana. So Indiana um... – Lost a couple weeks ago to Stanford. I think it was by like almost 30 points or more. Uh, they've won four in a row since. I think the big thing with Indiana is Mackenzie Holmes, one of the best players in the country. She's got a big homecoming tonight playing the University of Maine in Portland. Um, but they're missing Grace Berger. Grace Berger was their point guard last year. She was kind of the glue to that team. And that's kind of been one of the areas where it's been, you know, they, they've missed her, which has been a little bit surprising because, the rest of the players around her around her are all back. Yarden Garzone, Sarah Scalia, Chloe Moore McNeil, Sydney Parrish, in addition to Mackenzie Holmes. So um, something that uh, head coach Terry Morin's talked about a few times so far this year is wanting to see the team improve its toughness and grit. And, and again, those kind of intangibles that differentiate how far teams can go in the postseason. Um, but something with Indiana, I think it's important to keep in mind is you know, people are some people might be concerned about about how they've played so far, even though they've only uh, lost the, the Stanford game um, is, you know, Indiana may have peaked a little bit too early last year. They won the Big Ten regular season, but then lost in the Big Ten tournament to Ohio State in the semifinals and then lost to University of Miami, Florida uh, in the round of 32. So, uh, you know, the cliche always is you want to be playing your best basketball in March. And I'm not sure Indiana was, so there's no real rush. They have the experience of, you know, winning a big 10 title. They know what it takes. They don't necessarily have to do it again this year in order to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Good point. And so that 71 57 win over Tennessee, how do you feel like that propelled them? That was the Thanksgiving win. And then they won over Princeton 72 63, how do you think that propelled them to the Princeton game after winning on Thanksgiving? I just think it kind of gets that bad taste out of your mouth from that Stanford game because they had played two games between Stanford and Tennessee, but you know, th they're two games you're expecting to win by healthy margins against Murray state and Lipscomb. So going up against another top 25 team, a team that's probably going to make the NCAA tournament this year, most likely will. 
um, and beating them by 14. Uh, it just, again, it just kind of gets that bad taste out of your mouth. I don't think anyone wants to make too much out of any single game in November in particular, but it just kind of, you know, make restore some of that confidence and allows them to continue to build because this team is not a finished product yet. Obviously it's still very early. So getting that win and then Princeton's a very good team. I mean, you know, we, we cover that. I think Jen Hatfield covers that very well here at the next. Um, so they're, they're ranked now. So Princeton's a great team. And uh, so those are two uh, good wins. And then tonight should be exciting too for uh, Mackenzie Holmes to get to play in her home state. Going back home. So true. And I want to spend a minute too and talk about Garzon. You mentioned her. She had one of her best performances. She had 23 points against the Volunteers, five of six shooting from three, five rebounds, five assists. How do you feel like she is stepping up this year? So, I mean, Yarden was like unbelievable last year, three-point shooter. I mean, she she was shooting, uh, what was it, 46% from beyond the arc, which as a freshman is just, I mean, anybody it's crazy, but especially as a freshman to come in on that team and, and do what she did. I mean, I'll never forget in the game against Miami in the NCAA tournament where she had like a crossover step back three to tie the game late in the fourth quarter, which was just uh, wild. Um, but she's just really uh, composed and unflappable out there. But, um, you know, she just kind of adds to that range of like where teams have to worry about defending where, you know, she can shoot the three, Sarah Scali can shoot the three, Sydney Parrish can shoot the three. So having like, and then Chloe Moore McNeil can knock them down too. So like having three to four players that have that range and one of them be like a 45% three point shooter, her freshman season is really impressive. And she's back up to 47.6% right now, obviously smaller sample only a month in, but um, you know, she's just really talented and she's, she's very quiet. You may, you know, you're not going to turn on Indiana game and like notice her right away necessarily. But when she starts draining a bunch of threes, you might start paying a little bit more attention. Do you feel like that is a, a common theme among this Hoosier team where they might be a little bit, a little bit quiet and not, not seem like they're talking a big game, but then they'll show it. Yeah. And I think that just comes from Terry Morin and how she operates. So she's kind of that way. I mean, she's incredibly competitive. I mean, any coaches, but she's really, really, really competitive. And, but you know, she knows how, how much hard work it takes to be good in this conference and this sport. So they're never going to, you know, go into any game feeling too good about themselves or, or be, or not being focused on executing their game plan. I mean, even heading into this game against Maine, uh, listening to the media availability from yesterday with coach and, and Mackenzie Holmes. I mean, it's a, it's going to be a big day for, for Holmes going home. Lots of family and friends are going to be there, but they're locked in on this game. And mm -hmm. that's just how this team operates very business-like. And that's one of the reasons why they've had a lot of success over the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, you're up in New Hampshire. Like we talked about before, it's a little cold. Maine's a little cold. So it's not like they're going to the Caribbean. It's not going to be a beautiful warm vacation, but still, if they were, they would be thinking about it in a business mindset. It's all business at this point in the season. So overall, you'd say November, very optimistic about Indiana. I would say pretty optimistic. I still think not having Grace Berger is just tough. I mean, you're losing your point guard who's as good as she is, is always going to be tough to replace in a year. Um, but this is a team that's battle tested. And I think if you look at where the rest of the conference is, um, Indiana has, pretty much just as much experience on its roster compared to anybody in the conference. And that goes a really, really long way in this league, in this sport. So um, I would feel pretty good about where Indiana is right now. 
Okay. All right. And now I want to move over to Maryland. We talked about Indiana and speaking about someone who's battle tested coach Brenda Freeze's track record. Like you mentioned in your article, it really speaks for herself for itself and how she's able to turn a season around. So I feel like from following your articles, we've been kind of, kind of riding an emotional roller coaster with Maryland. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, Coach Freeze knew coming into the year it was going to take some time to get things rolling because you're losing, you know, Diamond Miller, who's one of the best players in the country, and uh, Abby Myers, who was really, really good last year, transfer from Princeton. Um, I mean, those are two players that went to the WNBA. So anytime you lose that caliber of talent off your roster in an offseason, it's going to be tough. Um, having Cheyenne Sellers to step up as a junior now, I mean, she's, she was really good last year. She's been even better this year, 18 points a game, shooting over 40% from three, uh, over five, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. So she's been filling up the stat sheet. Um, but the real thing has just been getting other players around her to step up. And we can talk about this a little bit more. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned the roller coaster. I mean, Maryland just, they've either, they've had a couple of games, they got blown out against South Carolina and UConn who are, probably pretty good teams. Um, but then, you know, losing to Washington state squeaking by Syracuse. So they've just been up and down. And again, I, I, I this is another program where like, does Brenda freeze want to win the big 10? Absolutely. But they can still be a three seed or a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And she knows how to get them playing their best basketball during that point in the season. So mm-hmm. as long as they get into the tournament, you wouldn't want to play them, but uh, it's a matter of getting there. And it's going to take some work because they're relying on players that are returners, but didn't necessarily have those roles last year of needing to be players that step up all the time. Um, so, you know, whether that's uh, Faith Masonis or Lavender Briggs or Brene Alexander, Bree McDaniel, those are all players that were on the roster last year. Um, and they haven't been consistent so far. And I think that's been the big thing because Cheyenne Sellers is really good. But you can't win with one player. You need, you know, three or four players that are going to step up on any given night to help you win games. And they haven't really had that yet. Absolutely. And we could talk more about Maryland in the next segment. But we want to say that today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Okay, Eric, so this is going to be a fun segment. I'm a huge fan of underdogs. So I want to just throw, I want you to just tell me if there's any sleepers, who we should be paying attention to. I, I have a couple in my mind, but this is your conference, man. Run free with this one and just bounce around what all those thoughts that you've been keeping in while you write these articles or whatever it might be. Let's hear it. Any sleepers in the big 10 that we should know about. So I have two. I I think one of them should not be a sleeper after last year, but they probably still are. That's Illinois. Um, I mean, I, I, I wrote about them last year and I've done a little bit this year too with, I mean, the job that Shauna Green's done in the year plus she's been in Champaign has been unbelievable. I mean, having the transfer portal helped and being able to take a top player like Makaira Cook uh, with her from Dayton to Illinois is a big boost, obviously. But Illinois was just 
dreadfully bad for so long and to not only turn them around, but take them to the NCAA tournament in her first season is just a remarkable accomplishment. And they return everybody pretty much this year. So Makaira Cook is back. She's been dealing with some injuries, so they need to get her healthy. Um, but, you know, you have a player like Genesis Bryant, who's averaging over 20 points a game right now. You have uh, Kendall Bostick, who almost averaged a double-double last year. She's a rebounding machine. She's at eight rebounds a game, 11 points. Um, Adelia McKenzie's a really good guard. Um, they brought Camille Hobby over from NC State. She's averaging about eight points a game. Bryn Shupiloff, uh, who's been starting as well. So they have a lot of experience. And I said before that experience really goes along with. We saw that with Iowa last year. They returned their starting five two years in a row. They go to the championship game. And I think that that continuity, there's just no substitute for that. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that continuity, it doesn't matter. And a team like Illinois, I think, is going to have that. McCarrick needs to get healthy. But I wrote a, a column before the season about how I, I don't think it's out of the question that this team could potentially be in contention to win the Big Ten this year. I mean, they are that talented. Makaira Cook is that talented. Shauna Green is a really good coach. I think they, they're going to have to improve their defense. That was a bit of a weakness last year. But they can score. And if you can score, you're going to win games because you can compete with teams like Iowa and Ohio State. Um, and Maryland, when they're right, who who can score the basketball really at a really high level? Absolutely, four and two right now. So, what do you feel like those losses that the Illini have been handed? What don't they reflect? What's something that the team kind of shows up and does even despite a loss? Well, Makaira Cook missed, I, I believe, both games that they lost. So, not having your your top score will definitely hurt. They also lost. I mean, Notre Dame's a very good team that they lost to. Uh, Marquette's a good program. So uh, those are two losses that like you'd rather not have, obviously. But I, I still think this is a team where, you know, they're not going to get rattled. I think I think the big thing last year was, you know, like when, when you've been in a program that's had so much losing. I, I remember Kendall Bostick said this last year. They had a game last year against Indiana where they got off to like a really bad start in the first quarter. Like they were getting it was like 14 to two or something. And it can be very easy early in the season, bad program historically. It's like, all right, you know, here we go again. We're at Assembly Hall. We're going to get blown out. But they pushed that game to overtime. They, they lost, but they still pushed Indiana in overtime. And I think continually last year they proved to themselves that they can beat and compete with really good teams. They beat Iowa a few weeks after that. So I, I think this is a team that's not going to get rattled. And so they may have lost twice already, but they're going to – they know what it takes to win games and – and again, there's no real replacement for having that experience under your belt. Experienced teams definitely make it far in the season and definitely in the postseason. And speaking of what knowing what it takes to win, Penn State just lost by one point to USC. What do you feel like could have sent them over the edge and given them the win at the end of the day? Well, I mean, when you look at a one-point game, there's so many, you know, whether it's a missed free throw in the second quarter or a turnover, any of those things could be a difference. But I feel like Penn State should less focus on, like, what what that one play or two was and more just the fact that, like, again, that's kind of – that that loss for Penn State is not that much different from that loss Illinois had at Indiana last year. We're, like, playing pretty well early. You have a first real test. How do you perform? And Penn State – pretty much passed the test. They obviously would have liked to have won, but when you're playing a top 10 team and you're not ranked and you haven't made the NCAA tournament in like almost 10 years, um, that's got to make you feel pretty good. And 
Uh, Penn State, a team that I, I thought could be pretty good coming to the year. They, uh, Coach Carolyn Keeger really hit the transfer portal hard this season. Uh, several players coming in. They also have three returning players that are really good. Shea Chesky, McKenna Mariso, Leilani Kapanis, uh, who are all really good and talented players. Uh, the offense has been terrific for Penn State. So that's a, a, another team that I would keep an eye on for sure as we move into the Big Ten season. Okay. And speaking of offense, too, I want to talk about Northwestern. Caroline Lau, who I I know personally from high school. I went to high school with her brother. And I remember I was so bad at basketball and she was so good. And she was like so much younger than me. Now I'm checking back in on her sophomore at Northwestern crazy stats and I mean the assists that she's racking up to how have you seen her be able to rack up the assists despite huge point differential losses for Northwestern I, I think it's two factors I think one is the, just the way Northwestern's roster is right now like she's probably she's their best passer and so she just gets the most opportunities to assist shots um, so it's part of a, partly a volume thing, but also just uh, she's a player that I think head coach Joe McEwen's been really high on since he recruited her. Uh, Northwestern obviously had Veronica Burton there for four years, who's one of the best players the program's had. And she was just one of those players that did all those small things really well, passing, defense, uh, transition scoring, taking charges. And I think Coach McEwen has has seen some of those qualities in Caroline Lau. I don't think she's fully there yet. Um, and Northwestern had a, had a tough loss yesterday against Loyola Chicago at home. But uh, she's a player that, you know, if, if Northwestern's going to rebound from last year when it finished last in the conference, uh, she's going to be a player that's going to have to be right right in the middle of it because she's somebody that they're really relying on to be able to build the program around. Absolutely. And it's tough to lose to someone that's so close to you in proximity. And before we go, I want to give you the open floor too. If there's any teams that we didn't talk about that we missed that you feel like we should pay attention to throughout the conference, obviously conference play hasn't started yet. So it's hard to gauge right now, but that's what makes this part of the season so fun. So Eric, any other teams that you want to mention? Yeah, I haven't written about Ohio state really yet this year, but I feel like they're worth mentioning because they went to the elite eight last year and they beat UConn. Um, so, you know, Kevin McGuff has done a terrific job building up that team. Uh, Cody McMahon was terrific last year as a freshman, um, you know, and they have so many other talented uh, players around her. I mean, McMahon was as a freshman, kind of like yard and Garzone, just so poised and confident and just kind of played above her years. And then you have somebody like JC Sheldon coming back, who's, a really good score, but also fits their defense really well. Um, and, and uh, Taylor theory. So they, they've been, they, their team, I would not sleep on. They did lose to South, uh, Southern California to start the season. Haven't lost since uh, another team with a lot of experience. So uh, certainly keep an eye on Ohio state as well. Yeah. And that blowout over Cornell definitely helps too. Eric, I Thank you so much for joining us for Locked On. Where can everybody find you and um, what should we expect from you in the coming weeks? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I think it's below at Eric R underscore L. Um, I have my weekly roundup for the Big Ten where I kind of go through a few of the big headlines from the week. I'm heading over to Portland tonight for the McKenzie Holmes homecoming. So I'll have something from that game as well. So definitely uh, 
keep a lookout for that. That should be a fun, fun game to be be in the press row for. I'm so excited to see all the content that comes out of that. Eric, thank you so much. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Women's Basketball. Tomorrow on the show, Natalie and Mitch will be diving into drama, storylines, everything ACC and SEC. And let me know your thoughts on today's topics. Who are your sleepers in the Big Ten? How can teams stop Caitlin Clark? How good is Indiana? How good is Maryland? And let's talk Big Ten. Find Eric, like he mentioned, at Twitter, Eric R underscore L. You can find me at Twitter, GG underscore Spear. And find the next hoop next hoops on instagram at the next hoops on instagram and tiktok and sign up for a subtext subscription by following the link in this episode description to chat with me directly anytime and get one-on-one q a's breaking news alerts and recruiting scoops draft news trade news have a great day and see you tomorrow